Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We're heard nationally wherever fine podcasts are available and weekly on the radio at Charleston, South Carolina's 1250 WTMA, Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. We're right here at our home base in Charleston, South Carolina. So first of all, Robin, welcome to your show. Thank you. I know we have some business we need to get taken care of. Before we get started, we have an exciting guest. So let's start with the business end. Yeah, the business end. Don't forget, if you're listening to this on the radio, we also have a podcast. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. And please follow me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski, to learn all about the great things in education happening across the globe. Here we go. Well, you never cease to amaze at the terrific guests you bring into the studio and this morning, or today I should say, I'm pleased to announce, uh, this is a nice, I think, concise bio, but let me get through all of it because it's very impressive. Aaron Dworkin is a national leader in the education, out-of-school time, and youth development fields. He currently serves as Chief Executive Officer of the National Summer Learning Association, which works to ensure all young people in America, but especially the most vulnerable, can access and afford a high-quality summer learning experience every year. Aaron oversees NSLA's support to their network of 15,000 program partners and leaders in the areas of program quality, partnerships, policy, public awareness, and leadership development. Prior to excuse me, NSLA, he served as president of the After School All-Stars National Network, a nonprofit organization providing free after-school and summer programs to 90,000 low-income students in more than 450 Title I schools in 20 major cities across the U.S. Previously, he founded and directed Hoops and Leaders, an award-winning grassroots youth mentoring and leadership program for low-income boys in New York City. He's a member of the American Camp Association National Board and a graduate of Tufts University, Harvard's Graduate School of Education, Columbia School of International and Public Policy, and the Coro Fellowship and Leadership Greater Washington. Wow, I'm out of breath. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor. Yeah, I want to jump in, um, Aaron, because I want to tell our listeners how I met you. Um, You know, as our listeners know, I'm the Executive Director of Engaging Creative Minds. We're a nonprofit here in Charleston serving schools across the state, primarily through our after-school and summer programming. And um, proudly, I want to say that Engaging Creative Minds is a past winner of an NSLA award that I'll, I'll speak to in a bit. But Aaron, I want to say that that award for us in Charleston, South Carolina, this national recognition has created so many opportunities for our small nonprofit and really is the reason we were able to expand. So, I mean, on a personal level, the work you do is just incredible to our own small organization, which is now growing. But watching you and what you do across the country is just so inspiring. So I am just so honored to have you join us today. And I can't wait to get right in and talk about what you do. But first, I want to start by talking about you. How did your career at NSLA begin and what were you like in school and what inspired you? So talk about you prior to NSLA. Sure. And thank you, Robin. And just so you know, you know, you're doing the the real work on the ground with young people and families and communities. And and so, you know, it's fun for me to spotlight amazing leaders and programs like you and what you do. Uh, So, so thank you. It takes everybody. Uh, In terms of how I got 
in, in, thank you. You know, in, in terms of how I got started in this, you know, I'll just say I grew up in New Jersey, outside New York City, um, and benefited a lot from uh, summer and after school programs as a kid. Like my parents didn't always have all the money in the world, but they they just knew to just try and put every money, all the money they had into great experiences outside of school for their kids. And I benefited and I grew up in these kinds of programs. So, so I always knew how, how impactful they can be. And so when I finished college, what got me started in this, it, it's, you know, it's funny because as adults, we can look back and it all seems to make sense. But when you're starting out, you never know, you know, how your life trajectory is going to go. And so I moved to New York City after college. I got a job. I was in this Coro program. Uh, you mentioned this leadership program. I was making no money. I was living on my sister's couch, but I, I didn't have a family. I didn't have kids. I was, so I had time to volunteer, and I was a mentor with Big Brothers, Big Sisters in New York. And the woman social worker who was running the program kept saying uh, that she had a huge waiting list of teenage boys who, 13, 14, 15 years old, who uh, many of whom were looking for male role models. Uh, to spend time with, and she was having a hard time finding men. And I, in addition to being a mentor after work, would play basketball twice a week in, in these leagues and gyms across New York City and churches with hundreds of men, uh, all of whom thought they were uh, too busy to volunteer with kids, but stopped whatever they were doing at 7 o'clock to play basketball. So as I like to say, it didn't take a rocket scientist to, to figure out that I created a program called Hoops and Leaders where I got 50 to 100 of these men to come after work and play basketball with 50 to 100 boys. And then we talk about college and jobs and leadership. And I got the New York City Parks Department to give me a gym and the NBA would give me speakers. And I raised the money from all these guys who worked on Wall Street. And anyway, I didn't know what I was doing. But next thing you know, I ran this huge program <laughs> in Manhattan, and Brooklyn, all for fun and for free after work. And and then I that's when I had to, after that, go to Harvard to, uh, to, to figure out to learn what I should do or not do since I was just making it up. And, um, you know, and that led me to move to California and work for Arnold Schwarzenegger's charity called After School All-Stars. I was there for 12 years and doubled it from 10 cities to 20. And, you know, not just me alone with all the partners we had. And so I was always very passionate about after school and, and, and summer programs. And, and so it then made sense uh, to, to, to come to NSLA where I sit now in Washington, D.C. I love it. And, you know, you said that magic word, fun. And that's what we're all about. And you know that you've got to get the kids in, right? You you would have had a really hard time having those teenage boys come in to talk about their futures. But when you say basketball, they're all in. And then once they're there, you can talk about their futures. I mean, it's brilliant. What a great story. Um, so I want to just highlight for a moment, and then we're going to get back to what you just said. So the fun, when ECM, Engaging Creative Minds, won the New York Life Excellence and Summer Learning Award from the National Summer Learning Association. It was 2016. And what we we won, we were told because of our, quote, special sauce. And the special sauce, Aaron, was what you just said, the fun, the woohoo spirit, the music, the bubbles. And funny story, um, the following year, and again, because of this award, like you were saying, we didn't know what would come from that until we won and then got further down the next year. And we were noticed by the Education Commission of the States. Jeremy Anderson, the president, scheduled a site visit because, oh my gosh, this small nonprofit in Charleston, South Carolina has won a national award. Let's go see what they're doing. And here's my funny story. We didn't know Jeremy Anderson. He's a chief executive officer, but we decided to stay true to our mission and when he walked through the door, the kids sprayed him with silly string. 
And we all held our breath, all the adults, like, okay, what is going to happen next? And he laughed and he pulled the silly string out of his hair and off his shoes. And we had the best site visit. So to your point, the fun is really like what I'm hearing from you is how it opened doors, not only throughout your career, but now with all the programs you're working with. So, you know, you don't have to sell me on fun, right, Ron? Absolutely not. (laughs) Everything is fun. So um, I am just so grateful as a leader in a nonprofit summer space for the national award that you provide. And I know right now your team is reviewing the applications for the 2023 awards and they will be announced in October at your conference. And I can't wait to see who's winning. Um, So real quick, let's fast forward to the conference. What do uh, you have in store for after-school providers who are coming up to DC for that? Sure. Well, thank you, Robin, again. And thanks for being a model for our our whole country uh, to learn from. That's why you have these national leaders. And uh, so I think, you know, Robin, you've been coming to this conference. We, uh, NSLA is celebrating its 30th year of existence, 30th wow. anniversary. And, and, we, and you know the last few years coming out of COVID have really transformed our field and, and also public recognition for how important programs like yours at ECM are because with so many millions of kids being, you know, at home and Zoom learning not really working for so many and kids, the data is in, you know, we know that they fell behind academically, but also huge mental health challenges. So our country has kind of come to consensus that summer learning programs like yours and so many others that take the best of summer school academic learning and the best of summer camp and combine it and make it free for especially families who couldn't afford them, uh, that this is a national strategic priority for our country right now to help kids catch up from what they missed during COVID. And so in my group, NSLA, we're based in DC. We, we do a lot of advocacy. We've advocated in the American Rescue Plan that some of the money, I mean, it was a $1.9 trillion bill, but somewhere in there, up to $30 billion was set aside and made available for summer learning programs uh, with an expiration date on when you can use that money. So what's happened is our conference has been transformed because everyone who gets that money or wants to access that money is now calling us and wants to come to our annual conference, which will be October 9th through 11th in Washington, D.C. at the Mayflower Hotel. So any of your listeners who want to come, you're welcome. Uh, Space is limited, and and two things happen at the conference, uh, Robin, and you know, but I'll just share with your listeners. One is it's a very high-level um, leadership conference. So I'd say, you know, majority of the people who come are the CEOs, executive directors, superintendents, uh, decision makers uh, who can impact kids with what they do. But it's also a very cross-sector, multi-sector convening, which is really rare in education, maybe everywhere, but in education, we have lots of great programs, but we're very siloed. So the school districts get together by themselves, the nonprofits, the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, the 4-H's, they all get together by themselves. And then you have all the youth serving government agencies, libraries, parks and rec, public housing authorities. They are also serving kids in the summer, but they get together. And so no one brings them all together in the same place. And they're all often trying to serve the same kids, same school, same family, same community. And what it will take to have kids bounce back from COVID is co- creative collaboration, which is the name of the game. And in addition to having fun, content and disguised learning, like you're saying, you know, there's never enough money, but there are enough kids. And the way we're going to kind of reach all of them and the millions more kids that need our help is through creative partnerships. So that's what our conference does. It brings all the leaders of all these silos together 
and hopefully they can make connections and figure out ways to work to serve more kids. Aaron, for those of us who are parents and not the brilliant educators that make up most of this audience, like for myself, I'm reading a statistic from the NSLA website, which blows me away that I'd love for you to address. This is by the fifth grade, summer learning loss can leave low-income students two and a half to three years behind their peers. How is that possible? Sure. So thank you. So this, you know, and, and COVID, so it has morphed from, thank you for the question, but it's more from summer learning loss to now COVID learning loss. Right. So what, what I'll share is NSLA, our group started originally with some seminal, uh, impactful research uh, from a guy named Carl Alexander, a professor at Johns Hopkins University where he, in Baltimore, where he tracked you know, all these kids for, for many years. And what he saw was during the school year, we educate all kids maybe not at, at the same levels, but they all get, you know, opportunity to go to school. And then in the summer months, it's like Darwinian, you know, the middle and upper middle class kids who could afford programs, get other experiences to keep learning and, and growing. And, and the lower income families especially don't have them and they fall behind. And those falling behind is cumulative. That's, that's what his research showed. Mm. And that put that, that coin summer learning loss, summer slide. And that became a very big, issue here and and it's not that everything has to be you know drill and kill as they call summer school but you know it could be disguised learning where you're you're reading about music or art or cooking and you're doing math through uh you know by making you know by cooking food or learning about business and entrepreneurship and there's lots of creative ways to learn and teach but we want to make sure you know kids aren't falling behind so yes that was a stark statistic um, also, it's a hunger issue for kids who get fed meals through school, and then if they're not in a program, they, they go hungry. It's a safety issue in the summer months. I mean, it, and what we're saying is it's not that kids need year-round schooling, but they do need year-round summer learning opportunities, and museums are involved, and all the different groups I was laying out. And, and parents have a huge role to play uh, in, in finding programs. We have a website, so I should say it right now, that we're going to be relaunching uh, in the next few weeks called discoversummer.org. Discoversummer.org. It has up to 30,000 programs in a database that parents can go to that website, type in their zip code, and find all these programs near them. And it also has lots of resources from finding meals, mentors, books, uh, you know, jobs, lots of stuff for their young people. That's fantastic. But I have one quick personal question. So you already talked about sleeping on your sister's couch and doing all these things because you wanted to change the world, make uh, the community a better place. Where does that inspiration come from? What drives somebody to start that way? Obviously, you've you've paid it off by uh, you know churning out some incredible initiatives. But where did this initial inspiration come from? Um, I'd say two places. I, you know, I, I I feel fortunate. I grew up in a family that was a socially conscious, socially you know, aware family that mm-hmm. we talked about issues and current events. We, even if we didn't have a lot, we were always grateful and appreciative for what we did have, and we were always trying to help those who might not be as fortunate as we were. Uh, so definitely, that was like an ethos. You know, my parents were active in the community, and they were volunteering. I saw them do things. Uh, so that got passed down to me as something that was important to do. But really what came to me was, and I'll, I'll just share, because I know Robin is a big personality, so I don't know if this <laughs> is your experience, Robin, but, you know, I was, and I, if I'm just being honest, I was an outgoing kid who was always very fortunate to be the kid who picked for every leadership program opportunity there ever was. 
because maybe I was more outgoing, people knew I was more, you know, interested. And so after a while, I kept getting these unique opportunities to go to this leadership group and this retreat and this uh, experience. You know, one kid at the school got to go, and it was me. And at a certain point, I said, well, shouldn't other kids have a chance? And, and you know, I don't need to go. <laughs> Let someone else go. And, and, and so I, I always recognize, you know, that while I had a lot, there were so many that didn't. And one of the things I should just say that made this very clear, this is just about my personal life, uh, my parents, uh, during the grades of seventh grade to tenth grade, they, they moved around. They, they they split up. They got back together. <laughs> I was in lots of schools. I was in five schools in three years. Mm. Wow! And what that does, and I was in schools in New Jersey. I was in schools in California. I was in parochial schools. I was in public schools. I, was, I ended up in a fancy private school. You know, and 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 so what what that did was it made it very clear to me what some kids have and what some kids don't. Sure. And how unfair that was. And once I saw that, which most people don't have that experience, you kind of grow up the way you grow up, and you don't know that there's another world. But I had a very early age, a very clear, right in front of me, like, oh, my God, look at this private school that has all these resources. Look at this public school that has none. Nobody knows. <laughs> the private school kids don't appreciate it. The public school kids don't know they're missing out on anything. And this is crazy. And, and so once I saw that, I always understood that I could be a connector and, and connect the dots around resources for folks. I love it. Erin, I always say kind of behind your back, you're like match.com for nonprofits. <laughs> like, nice. When we go to your conference, we leave with more relationships than you know we ever imagined. So um, I do have a question about relationships. And you know, one of our uh, common colleagues, Dr. Terry Peterson, as you know, the after school guru that he is, when we first launched a summer camp, I went to him and asked for his advice. And I, I asked him to keep it, keep it light. Like, I don't have time to read your, your 400 page book, but if you could just give me like quick three bullets. And he said, uh, attendance, engagement, and relationships. And we've hung on those three you know, every year to build out our program because the learning comes, you know, you can still have systems, policies, procedures, but, you know, without, again, the fun, the attendance, the engagement, the relationships, you're not going to have a lot. And something I've noticed with you, Aaron, and, and NSLA in general is the strong relationships you have. And one in particular, I mean, you are always hanging out with our U.S. Secretary of Education, Cardona, and and it's great and loved hearing him at the conference a few years ago. And what is that like? And, and what can you tell us about him and what some of our listeners might want to know? Sure. So one word about relationships, and then I'll say something about Secretary Cardona. You know, first of all, all of education in many ways boils down to a few things. I'm glad to hear you mentioned Terry Peterson, a mentor, a role model to everyone in our field. But uh, ultimately, we're all just every successful program comes down to how well they can build relationships between the students and their, and their peers and the students and the staff. And you could do it through hip-hop dance, you could do it through chess, you could do it through soccer, you could do it through, you know, entrepreneurship. It doesn't matter because that, that is the special sauce. And, and, and the, the flip side of that is I think, Robin, maybe you and I have seen, I've seen uh, programs with $100,000 worth of STEM equipment and a staff person who can't connect with kids and no one wants to come back the next day. Mm. And then yep. conversely, I've seen a staff person who has no resources, got you know two toothpicks and a rubber band, and is pretending to build a computer, and but can connect with all the kids, and everyone comes. And in out of school time, they say you know kids vote with their feet, and and we don't have the luxury of a law requiring kids to attend. And so you either can connect 
and you build attendance and you could teach and once you're you know you can make everything all the magic happen or you can't and it doesn't work and so that is super important everything is, is relationships in terms of secretary cardona this is what i could say i i feel very honored that he cares he's come to the national summer learning association national conference the last two years Last year, he brought the Secretary of Labor uh, and Tom Freeman of the New York Times and CNBC, and it was a, you know, a very star-studded group. Here's what I know about him. He cares about kids. He started out as a teacher. Uh, you know, he is a dad with a bunch of kids. You know, he became a principal. He has just worked his way up. He became, then became the superintendent of his district, and then became the state superintendent, and now he's the U.S. Secretary of Education. And I've been on site visits with him, and he gets everything we talk about, everything you care about, Robin, he cares about. And I've never met a person uh, or a politician or a elected official who's just so aligned. Everything you talk about, he talks about. Everything we talk about, he talks about. And so he uh, created an initiative that we're involved with uh, called Engage Every Student that came out of COVID. And NSLA was honored to be one of four nonprofit organizations to be in an uh, MOU contract with the U.S. Department of Education with basically the goal of getting 80% of all the low-income kids in America and maybe all kids in America engaged and enrolled in, in after-school and summer programs that, you know, to leverage this investment. So he is an amazing guy. He's a humble guy. He'd rather be in a classroom uh, than I think in a big fancy meeting or gala, and, and it shows. And um, I brought last summer, we had about 100 students come to D.C., from all these award-winning programs like yours, Robin, uh, for our Youth Leadership Institute. And I called Secretary Cardona's office and said, can we come by for five minutes and take a photo and maybe shake your hand? And the next thing you know, it turned into a two-hour kind of meeting. Wow. <laughs> so much time with the kids and the staff and hear what's going on. And he knows, like I know and you know, that all the magic happens at the moment that uh, at the, the direct point of service with students uh, where mm -hmm. they are, meeting them where they are, meeting them with their interests and getting them excited and getting them to a point, and I think this is something you do, Robin, uh, of getting them to take ownership for their own learning. Yeah. And I think a lot of education boils down to that concept because all of us can drag, you know, we can force kids, incentivize them, give them pizza parties, take them here, take them there. But like ultimately, you know, at what point do they say, I want to read a book because they want to read a book? And they want to go take English class because it makes sense to something they want to do in their life. And that's, I think, one of the main goals of education is to get kids kind of connected where it's like, okay, I get it. The light bulb goes off. They yeah. understand why. I love what you said about kids vote with their feet. It reminds me of the Children's Museum when I was there and was at a conference. You know, it stuck with me. The keynote said, "We, you want them crying on the way out, not on the way in. <laughs> and, and it always stuck with me. Like, you know, let's, let's build something that they want to come to. And secondly, Aaron, I'm on record now and everybody's going to hear it. I want, I'm inviting you to bring Dr. Um, I mean, Secretary Cardona to South Carolina and we will spray silly string on him. Okay. Well, I'll tell <laughs> the people. I, talk, I, I don't talk to him as much as I talk to his staff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll encourage him. He, yep. he's, he's always wanting to visit uh, programs, especially those that are accessing the government dollars that have been made available to kind of lift up examples mm -hmm. of good models and programs like yours. And so I will for sure uh, make sure his staff know to come. 
come check it out. Yeah, and I want to just shout out to our, our state, and Aaron, you know this, but I want our listeners to hear it one more time. Our our State Department of Education has invested $20 million of, in the arts, $5 million specific to after school, and $5 million specific to summer. So uh, shout out to South Carolina elected officials who voted on that, and um, we're just so excited at ECM to be part of that summer initiative, um, helping kids in all those rural districts. And, and definitely, and through arts, it's like, it's amazing. And it's great that the elected officials and the, the leaders of your state have, have so wisely chosen to kind of use these additional resources and use arts as a way to kind of get kids, you know, engaged with their lives. Aaron, here's something that I know is near and dear to your heart. Would you tell us the difference between summer school and summer camp? Ooh, great sure. question. Or, well, here, here's how I would actually say it. Thank you. If you don't mind, I'll just kind of tweak that, which is it's, it's really the phrase summer learning. Sometimes we like to say is a combination. Uh, if you took the main goals of summer school and the main goals, which are academic, you're teaching math, reading, STEM, and you take the main goals of summer camp, which is like hands-on experience, being outdoors, relationship-focused, uh, well, teaching a lot of leadership and community. If you combine those efforts, you end up with summer learning. That, that's what we say. And so, so a lot of distinction that we need to – what we're trying to do, and our group has been trying to do this for 30 years, is kind of have people reimagine what summer school can be. So historically, summer school, if I just say the phrase, your parents, the listeners, all of us, you know, like summer school historically has a reputation of being a punishment, mandatory, you know, remedial. If you fail some class, you have to take it again. All your friends are outside. You're stuck in a classroom, so it's school-based. It's, uh, you know, only academics, and the adults in the building decide everything you get to do. Summer learning gets to be the opposite of all that. It could be so fun, like Robin's program, you don't have to make it mandatory, you make it voluntary, and everyone wants to come. It's not only, you know, catching up on what you miss, which is important, but what about taking a new class in, in arts or business or the, you know, something that you wouldn't even get to take during the school year, you know, in some exploring some fun way. And to not have to be, what a major thing we talk about around these summer programs is the need to not necessarily be school building based, but to be school aligned. And so when we talk about partnerships, and I appreciate, Robin, you calling me this matchmaker because I am trying to make all these matches uh, where we want the, you know, every, all the groups I, that are part of our big network, they will follow the lead of the school district. You, whatever you want them to work on, the students, you know, they got to catch up, we will do. But can it be at the museum? Can it be in the parks and rec? Can it be, uh, you know, on a college campus? Can it be all these different places? And, and and by the way, teachers don't even sometimes want to work in their school classroom the same way. And so anyway, a lot of this is about reimagining what's possible. Uh, sometimes I like to use, it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, but I, I sometimes say, as I alluded to earlier, you can't close the gap between the haves and have-nots if you don't know what the haves have. I right. love and it. We've got to leave it at that, guys. Uh, Ty, I promise oh you this would gosh. go fast. I want another hour. We've got about 15 no. seconds to say our goodbye and thank you, Aaron Dworkin. <laughs> that was a terrific interview. I Aaron, think you're going to have awesome. to come back again, don't you yes. think? Yes, yes. Thank okay. you so much. You're listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, and we are heard on the radio Sunday mornings at 8, but also wherever fine podcasts are available. Check us out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>